This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It is the pastime within the pastime. The Hill at Lamadi Stadium. All right, everyone. There is no turning back now. Let's do it on the count of three. One, two, three. Welcome to the Ballpark Dimensions podcast with me, Mandy Bell, Guardian's beat reporter for MLB.com, and Sarah Langs, researcher and reporter for MLB.com as well. And I literally don't want to waste one second because, one, I know this topic could go for 14 hours straight without us taking any breaks. So we need to dive into this to spare all of us some time. The Little League Classic return once again this weekend. And it is by far and away, I tweeted this, it is the best event ever by anything out there in the world, and it's not even close. It is truly as genuine, as fun, as jovial, as engaging, every single positive adjective in the world can be applied when you're describing the Little League Classic. And if you don't know what it is, it is when two big league teams go into Williamsport, Pennsylvania during the Little League World Series. They built a field up to big league standards right down the road from the Little League Complex in 2017, and they have been playing a game there ever since, and it has been absolutely amazing. Big leaguers can participate in the Little League World Series during the day by sitting in the crowd, um, playing with the kids in uh, the areas where they are staying during the trip. Like, they... Just get to interact with big leaguers. Um, And then halfway through the day, they head over and get ready for their own game. And then the little leaguers go fill the stands over there. It is the best event. Sarah, I mean, how much is your heart exploding the entire day as you're seeing social media posts and then the games and then the interviews and everything that comes with it? It is, as you said, the greatest event. And the way it is covered is so perfect, as you're saying. There's so much on social media. I literally had like the Little League Twitter and MLB's Twitter and Play Ball and all of these up. And both teams there at the Phillies and Nationals. And it was just refreshing and refreshing waiting to see what would happen next, what else they would be sharing. And, you know, if you've listened to this podcast with us over the last year, you know, we usually kind of talk about two topics, then go to break, talk about two more. And I was thinking about this morning, and I was like, no. We have one topic before the break here to start, and it's this, because I know you and I, and we could go on, as you said, for hours about this. But there was just so much love. One of the big things at Williamsport, as you know, and as our listeners may know, 
is going down the big hill that's behind Lomondy Stadium, the main stadium, and I love every year seeing uh, seeing the big leaguers going down it. There was a really cute video of Dom Smith on the Nationals uh, signing a ball for a kid and chatting with the kid, and he's like, hey, did you go down the hill yet? And Dom goes, is it scary? And then there was this uh, photo I saw that MLB put out with the recap of the day, and it was his face as he went down, and it's this terrified smile, and it's just so perfect. It's a chance for these guys to really get in touch with what <laughs> made them fall in love with baseball. Whether they played official literally, whether they played outlines for it, it just reminds them of being 12 years old and living and dying with their teammates, with their team, and really feeling like that is the center of your universe. I, as you're bringing all of these memories back, two years ago the Guardians were there, um, and they were playing the Angels, and it just made me want to go back and rewatch some of those videos that I took of some of the guys going down the hill. So as you're saying that, oh I'm rewatching gosh. Fran Mel Reyes, this big man <laughs> on the tiniest little piece of cardboard going down the hill. I remember there, uh, the president of baseball operations, Chris Antonetti, was saying to Fran Mel, like, buddy, do you, you want a bigger piece of cardboard there? And I just, I distinctly remember him sitting on this tiny, tiny piece and he's like inching himself to go over the edge. And he's like, no, Poppy, I'm good. And he just keeps pushing himself. It's just like you said, it's as good as it gets. It's a time where big kids can then be little kids because these guys are all kids, it seems like in the majors. I know even as old as you get and as a veteran status as you get, you're playing a kid's game every single day. And you'll hear so many players say that at the end of the day. We're playing a kid's game and we need to have fun playing this. And yes, it turns into a job, but there's parts of them in there. You see home run celebrations in the dugouts. You see different things that always show their jovial sides. And this is an excuse for it to be a full day, the whole day, everything. And it truly brings out the best in every adult there. And then it allows kids to not feel as distant uh, from what their dreams are. You're seeing it right in front of them. I don't think it gets any better than the Mid-Atlantic team, which was from Pennsylvania. Um, it was from a town just outside of Philadelphia. Um, and then you have the Phillies roll up, and they're coming in, and they're sitting in the stands. And I'm sitting at the Guardians game, and I have <laughs> my parents texting me like live updates about it because... I was sitting there in their press dining room eating real quick before the game started and I wasn't able to see it. My parents are saying, oh my gosh, the Phillies are watching the, the, the Philadelphia team. This is incredible. This is so cool. I have my dad standing up in the living room recording on his phone the television so that he can then send me the highlight of like Bryce Harper going crazy in the stands and I'm sitting there refreshing Little League's page like you said. Can you imagine being 12 years old and you're from this area that you probably grew up a Phillies fan. You're probably growing up going to Phillies games, aspiring to be like guys like Bryce Harper and 
suddenly you are in the mecca of Little League Baseball. You're just excited to be in this tournament. And then some of the biggest names from your favorite team are sitting in the stands cheering for you. I don't think it gets any cooler than that. And I thought it was funny. I thought it was funny because they. I saw a tweet that also said the opposite, where it was like, yes. uh, could you imagine being on the other team and having the Phillies root against you? Which was also very funny in itself and humbling in a way. But they would all understand. I, I think everyone all, all gets it. But still, just that moment, that would just be such a mind-blowing moment for every 12, 13-year-old, 11-year-old who's participating. I was going to mention the other <laughs> side because it's so funny. But you know what always strikes me about this? And again, I was lucky enough to be there in 2017 for the first one. As were you, we didn't know each other yet. Um, but what always strikes me, whether in person or on TV, is how not starstruck these kids are, like in a way. You know, when the big leaguers come in and they do one of my all-time favorite things for guys like Garrett Stubbs and Bryson Stott are going up to kids and saying, hey, can I get your autograph? You know, turning around on them, getting the autograph of a 12-year-old kid. Like, the kids are like, yeah, sure, of course. Like, they don't even pause for a second and realize how this isn't normal, this isn't everyday life, and it's so, so incredible. And I love that those kids are able to live in the moment so much that they don't even get starstruck by what's going on. Um, Buster Olney interviewed Stella Weaver, who's the uh, young woman who's on the uh, Tennessee team. And he was asking her about signing autographs, and she's like, oh, yeah, I think I've signed 30 autographs since I've been here. And Buster said, okay, how many were big leaguers? And she's like, oh, I think 10. And I'm like, I don't know, me at 12 years old, I'd be freaking out over that, but she's just so cool, so casual about it. And I love that we have created and then Major League Baseball has created this atmosphere where that's almost normal. Where it, it doesn't feel like, you know, bright lights and cameras and oh, the big leaguers are doing some big charity event, which are also important. But they really make it feel like they're equals and I just think it's amazing. My favorite, okay, I'm going to say this too much because everything's my favorite thing. And I'm realizing I keep saying my favorite thing about this. Okay, we'll throw that out the window. My favorite thing again, I love how Major League Baseball had a chance to build this park, to make this a big spectacle, to make this a really cool thing of bringing in all of these people to a town that doesn't get Major League Baseball to watch a game in the middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania, and they didn't. And they made it where it is this small, intimate atmosphere that holds just over 2,000 people, and all of them are just the little leaguers and their families and the volunteers and then media and those. Like, 
everyone who's just involved this is not some public thing where tickets go on sale and everyone can come in and i don't want that to sound distasteful to anyone who would want to be at that type of a game but i think that makes this event even more special to the little leaguers who get to be there to the 12 year olds who are dreaming to be in this spot because it allows even more interactions between players, big leaguers, and little leaguers. I mean, when I covered, I helped covered it in 2017 in the first year, and I have vivid memories of the Pirates being part of it, and uh, Francisco Cervelli is sitting out in the crowd with the Italian team. And it's like, that doesn't happen if the public is intermixed. Um, just because they have to be more careful. If there's not a completely gated, secured environment, you have to think a little bit more. That's how it is in any type of job, sport, whatever. But when it's in this fixed environment and their guard can be down, they know exactly who's where, for what reasons, all of that stuff. I think those moments you will never get anywhere else. And it is so stinking cool to me. It was so cool when Tommy Pham ordered 150 snow cones or whatever it was for every kid sitting out there. Um, There was just all these moments. The Australia team lent their blow-up kangaroo that they used as their mascot good luck charm. And they lent that to the Cardinals and they sat in its dugout for the whole game. Like, you don't get those interactions. And I think that... It just says a lot about Major League Baseball because we all know how much you could profit from something like this. And it just shows how the event is truly geared toward growing the game, getting to the generation that needs to feel that to grow the game and continue it and make sure the love of baseball is there. Truly, truly think that they just, no pun intended, knocked it out of the park on how they did all of this. Because it is it is as special as it gets. And I think that the coverage of it is more than enough for people to experience it from afar. Um, and I know it's an event that so many people would love to see up close. But I, I truly think that these kids just deserve every second that they get of that intimacy during this game. Because it's I'm telling you, it is just unmatched. It's the best event ever. You know what I'm wondering about right now? How many little kids are sitting at home, their team didn't make it to one for this year, they're getting ready for next year, and they're thinking, we have to make it to one for next year. Because next year is the Yankees and the Tigers, Aaron Judge and the Little Lakers. That is going to be an incredible, incredible spectacle. I think about when I was there, I felt like all the little leaders were taller than me. And then you you think about how they will look next to Aaron Judge, the largest person in this game in so many ways, and how he will be in that environment, as you said, guard down, not the way that media coverage often is even for a big event game this isn't Mm -hmm. the way they were covered in London this isn't the way coverage is during the season it's a very special isolated day he and the Yankees are going to be so much fun it was for next year 
you think of New York and it comes with the territory. That team is covered like no one else. It's just, it's different. And you think when you're able to allow that group who is so used to having a guard up to just put that guard down and just interact with kids, I think it's going to be so awesome, so special. Aaron Judge, assuming he can stay healthy and be there, all of those things included, he's going to be larger than life. And physically, he already is. Mm -hmm. But like, even more, every kid you hear, oh, Aaron Judge is my favorite player. Oh, Aaron Judge is my favorite player. And he's going to be in front of all of them. It's going to be ridiculous. It's going to be awesome. I think about all of the Aaron Judge, Jose Altuve photos that we've seen. Yeah. And I'm now picturing it. Each team seems to have like a runt. There's always one little guy who's on every team. And I'm picturing the little guy beside Aaron Judge. And it already is warming my heart. The guy who's 4'8". And he's standing beside this huge mammoth of a man standing beside him. And the cool part is like what you said. Judge could be asking that little dude for an autograph. And, like, it's just, oh, it's so cool. And I know it hasn't even been 24 hours at the time that we're recording this that the last Little League Classic has ended and we're already starting to, like, count down the seconds until we can see the next one. But I think that should just go to show how special it is to watch, to see all the posts. I mean, how cool is it? In those moments where, like, kids are able to interview the players, like, during those in-game interviews. We've started to see so many more in-game interviews during, uh, like, Sunday Night Baseballs and, like, especially in, like, spring training. They really peel back the curtain for us. Um, but now then you have kids interviewing and, like, it's just, I'm telling you, I could go on a rant for hours about how unbelievable it is and to just mix that in with the country's biggest team, as much as some fans would hate to admit that or some fans would love to hear that, the Yankees are always going to be huge. They're always going to be probably the fan favorites of all the little leaguers there. It's just how it ends up being. And so for them to be there is going to be so beyond cool. I cannot wait. And something else we got to see a lot of this year was how some players reacted to their families being there. We saw Bryce Harper get emotional on yes on ABC early in the day in the booth with uh with Carl and Jeff and uh and Todd Frazier talking about being away from his daughter and son during the year and how much that hurts him and how exciting it is to have them there. We also got to hear uh, Nick Cassianos talking about his son Liam who is just about, you know, uh, maybe a little younger than a uh, little league age, but right around there. And seeing both those families in the stands, and I think about the Yankees and Tigers, and I think about Garrett Cole and his adorable son, Caden, who by next year will be, I'm sure, even more invested in baseball and everything. I hope he's able to go and then all of these uh, players are able to bring their families if they want to and have that experience. Okay, I'll cut us off. Only because I think that we're probably both going to bring this back up at the end of the show. 
So, yeah, that's what I figured. So we'll cut ourselves off now so that we can just rant more about it later, I guess. We'll take a quick break, and I promise we'll get into other baseball-related things instead of just gushing over the Little League Classic. We have Julio, of course. We have Gunnar Henderson. We have more things. So stay with us. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to the Ballpark Dimensions podcast. I'm Mandy, that's Sarah, and we have Julio Rodriguez to get to. I saw so many different like memes at times, like graphs at times, like stats at times, like all of this stuff during the series because like I've said before, it's hard for me to always like watch other games. And so I rely on social media. I rely on tweets. I rely on sp- specifically Sarah's tweets all the time <laughs> to always know what's going on because I know she has eyeballs on every game at all times. But like I'm starting to see graphs of graphics shown of what Julio's done in the last four days versus what the Yankees have done in the last four days. And it's like Julio Rodriguez is a whole team right now. And I'm thinking, what did this man do? (laughs) And I start digging into this and I'm seeing stats that are like, he's one of like two people in the last hundred years to do, have a performance like he's had over the last handful of days. So, um, and everything that I had clicked on when I just Googled his name during this process, every article all went back to, according to MLB.com, Sarah Langs, it's this. So how about we just throw it to, according to Sarah Langs, we'll just let Sarah Langs speak for it now instead of me just quoting. But that's what I felt like. I'm like, oh, well, I guess I have the good resource, so I'll just allow her to explain it. Oh, my goodness. So the Mariners, as we discussed last week, are really making their second half push and... Julio has been at the center of it. So it really goes back to their series during the week. Last week, they had a four-game series in Kansas City. They lost the first game, some uh, bullpen mishaps and what have you. But it was a high-scoring game, uh, 7-6, back and forth. (laughs) And then they won the next three, again, very up and down. But Julio... Just started doing things we have basically never seen before. So if you go back to the Wednesday game of that series, he had four hits. Next day, he has five hits. Then they get to Houston. 
He has another four hits on Friday, and then he has four hits on Saturday. That is four straight games with at least four hits, which ties a guy named Mel Stock in 1925 for the longest streak of four hit games we've ever seen. He had, over the course of all of that, in that four game span, he had 17 hits. The most of anyone in a four-game span. And, by the way, he had five stolen bases in those games as well. So, prior to him and his stretch, the most hits in a four-game span where a guy had at least least five stolen bases was 13. It had been done a handful of times. It was Ty Cobb. It was who you might expect. He set that record at 17 hits, so now the most hits in a four-game span with five stolen bases is 17, so he broke that record, if you will, by four hits. I mean, it's incredible. And by the way, we were talking about the wildcard standings and everything last week. They swept the Astros in Houston. This is a team that, even as they have been good over the last few years, had struggled in Houston. All of a sudden, it was a complete reversal. And it's hard not to say that it was just Julio being Julio. I mean, you know, Dom Kenzum had a great game yesterday. He had four hits. They had other good performances. You're not scoring 10 runs uh, with just Julio, but it really felt like he is not just the emotional, spiritual, uh, and what have you leader of the team, but that he is also the statistical leader in every single way. And I know the last time we talked, we were we were trying to guess like, okay, someone who's not in the playoff picture right now, who's going to be and. We both said it seems like it's pretty obvious that it could be the Mariners as the front runner here. And clearly we didn't know the, they were about to win six straight or whatever. But uh, it just seemed like something like a, a switch flipped in the second half of the season. And I saw it last year with the Guardians. You saw it and once it hit August, all of a sudden they flipped on and they became a team that no one even thought they could become. And it's always fun whenever teams catch fire at the right time. And it's so easy to pick up like bandwagon fans in a way of of fans who are just like, okay, my team's fallen out of it. Who should I root for now to see who's going to cause some noise? Who's going to mix things up? The Mariners seem like an easy team to hop on board with because they weren't this lock, but they were supposed to be great. Then they were iffy to come out to start the year. And it's like, okay, so what do you think of this team? Now they're starting to catch on to what we all thought they would be from day one. And they're sort of have like an underdog come from behind type of mindset when they really shouldn't have been on paper. But like, it's like this weird mix of of where they are right now, but it makes it so fun to root for. Because from where they came from, it does feel like a little bit of like a comeback story. And maybe people wrote us off, but here we are, we're coming back now. We are the team that we were supposed to be. And then it's just so hard to root against Julio Rodriguez because of how great he is for this game, how fun of a player he is. 
You're listing stats uh, referencing the only other players of people I have never heard of. Most people on this planet have never heard of because they were from so long ago. Um, and that's when we know it gets really special. And that's one of the best parts about baseball because you can come up with a name like Milt Stock that no one has really ever paid any attention to because that was 1925 and most of us weren't here around that time. So uh, it's just, it's really, I think this is a team that's easy to root for as we're now starting to inch closer to September in the final weeks and this wild card race could get super, super heated. And, you know, I think this is a team that began to really capture people's hearts last year. You have the uh, walk-off to make it into the postseason, the Cal Raleigh home run. You, of course, had Julio. You had this team going into Toronto. And in their first time in the postseason in all of those years, pulling off a epic comeback on the road in Game 2. They had, what was it, a seven-run comeback, the largest road comeback in postseason history to clinch that series. And then they end up in the next round against the Astros, and they get swept, and they are not able to score a run in front of their home fans. They're not able to do a couple of things that you know they want to. So I think the sort of collective baseball fan base sees that chip on their shoulder in a really good way. And this is also a team that if you didn't, if you somehow didn't know how electric Cooley Rodriguez was, if you didn't know how incredible these fans were, you saw that in July at the All-Star Game and at the Home Run Derby. So I just think it really feels like their time right now. And are they favorites to win the World Series? No. But they are hot at the right time. And I certainly hope we're talking about them in the middle of October. Okay, and I think last week we also talked about the fact that I played myself and gave myself the Rookie of the Year vote and... I think this is sort of nice to be able to transition into a topic that might help me have a little <laughs> bit more clarity um, a little bit. So uh, how about you enlighten me and, and give me a nice little pitch on uh, Gunnar Hand- Gunner Henderson's uh, season this year? Because I feel like his name's everywhere. And uh, I think I'm going to have to be largely considering his name at some point. But there's just so many people to consider this year. So let's talk about Henderson. He is having an outstanding year. So... Uh, you know, you look at overall stats, you say, okay, he's setting 249, he's slugging 484, maybe you're not sure exactly what stands out there. But he has played really good defense in the infield, and yesterday, he had four extra base hits in the game. He did something that is one of my all-time favorite things. He came up to the plate needing a single for the cycle, hit a double, and did not stop at first base. He hit the double. Right side, that's a fair ball inside the line. And you know what? Gunnar Henderson is not going to stop at first. Who needs a cycle when you can pick up your fourth extra base hit of the game? 
or for him about cycles in a second. But before that, he became at 22 years, 52 days old, the youngest player in franchise history to have four extra base hits in the game. And he is actually the 12th youngest since 1901 to have four extra base hits in the game. The last guy to do this at his age or younger was Miguel Cabrera. And if you go through the list, the names are really good. You have Miggy twice, you have Mel Ott twice, you have Al Kaline, Joe DiMaggio, Carlos Bayerga, Greg Jeffries, just really, really impressive young players. And then Gunnar Henderson here, who also, I know we talk a lot about the uh, NL Central for having right now three really good infield arms. O'Neill Cruz, who's hurt right now. L.A. Dillon Cruz. And then Mason Wynn, who was called up over the weekend. Gunnar Henderson has a really good arm, too. I mean, the year that he's putting together, <coughs> and it makes sense, it obviously makes sense with the, the success that the Orioles have had, and you saw what they were able to do with Rushman, and now that they're able to have Henderson and how the youth is taking over and making this team so fun and successful and all of these things. But my gosh, I mean, I feel like anytime I see anything about the Orioles and I truly expected everything to be rooted in Rushman this year, just because, you know, the, the, the hype that was around Adley all last year and I mean, obviously, he's still as good as it gets and as exciting as it is. But I feel like every single Orioles thing that I see has Gunnar Henderson tagged to it. And it's we've I, t- I get into this rant every single time. But whenever he's whenever you start to see these young guys, whenever you're starting to list off stats that should really reveal that he's 22 and some odd days old and all of these things. The game is in such good hands and it gets so exciting to see all of these young players and to see guys like Julio and you go from Julio to Gunnar Henderson as with the topics that we're talking about. It's so the youth in this game all are so beyond talented and exciting and it stresses me out. I know Julio's not a rookie, but it stresses me out every time I keep seeing a rookie do better because I'm like, all right, this guy might have an edge. And I'm obviously not going to divulge my thought process here or what I'm leaning towards or anything like that. But every time you start to think like, all right, well, this guy's starting to edge up. There's a clear case here. Oh, by the way, this guy's still here. Oh, by the way, this guy's still here. And then it's all of a sudden you're like, Tanner Bybee's pitching super well. Is he going to be someone who would be worthwhile? And then whenever you cover a guy, I feel like there's even more layers to it because you never want to be like, oh, like if other outsiders are looking at you and it's like, oh, well, they cover that person. So it's like a homer pick. And it's like, oh, no, that's not how this works. You're trying to break down everything. And rookies, you have to look at both pitching and hitting and like, lordy, why did I do this (laughs) to myself? Anyway. I just think that it just shows that because this race is so tight and there's countless people who keep popping up like, oh, don't forget about him. I feel like there's eight where it's like, don't forget about him. It really shows where the future of this game can head. And it's pretty exciting. 
is all then I'll mention a few names so nobody is too angry enough. <laughs> I mean, I really think Josh Young was mm-hmm. on pace to maybe beat the winner before he got injured, so I think that's very much worth mentioning. Luke Rayleigh is slugging 505 for the Rays, pretty notable for sure. I've really enjoyed watching Edward Julian, who I also got to see in uh, the WBC. I know that the uh, Guardians recently played the Tigers, and every time Kerry Carpenter homers, I'm like, oh wow, his stats are really good. He's slugging 526 right now, very, very good. And then, again, there's so many different guys, but the only other name, I'll mention two more. I think Yainer Diaz with the Astros um, has done a really good job coming in, being that backup catcher, but hitting for power, playing a decent amount, and being really good, clearly catcher of the future for them. And Masataki Yoshida, I know he's fallen off in the second half, but I think if you had done voting at the All-Star break, it would have been him or Josh Young. And I do think he'll get really serious consideration. I also want to briefly bring about cycles. Because oh, I, I did the oh, research. I know I forgot to. So. No, this, this is must-see TV. Let's go. So everybody's like, oh no, he didn't stop at first. He didn't get the fifth cycle of 2023. And I'm sitting here thinking, since 1901, let me tell you how many cycles there have been. And I'm on record saying I think the single is useless. I would rather have four extra bases. So since 1901, 299 regular season cycles. In that same span, Gunnar Henderson had the 44th game (laughs) with a homer, a triple, and two doubles. So if we're picking a random potpourri of hits, he was the first guy. In literally more than 10 years, since June 23rd, 2013, David Wright of Alana's Mets, and at that time my Mets too, had two doubles of triple and homer in the game in Philly, and eyeballing it, it has happened eight times since 1999. Whereas, let me tell you how many cycles in that span, but you already get my point. Cycles are great. It's great to have four hits in a game. But if we're celebrating, let's celebrate something a bit more unique. Okay, so what I say, since 1999, what Gunner did has happened eight times. Since 1999, there have been a hundred cycles. A hundred! So, all I'm saying, and I'm done now. (laughs) I have to, this is going to sound twisted, and I'm just owning it right now. (laughs) Nothing makes me happier than when, like, 
there's something that bothers you or there's something that actually makes you have a rant. I use air quotes as you call it a rant because you never, you will never be caught saying anything negative, anything ever. If anyone takes five minutes to scroll as far as they can on Sarah's Twitter, there will never be anything but pure elation, positivity, optimism, everything. This is my favorite thing. When cycles are brought up, because it is the one thing where you're like, I will publicly say this is not as cool as it could be if you would just drop the single if you don't care about the cycle. It is so funny to me because everyone assumes that a cycle is this really crazy cool stat. And so when it happens or when it's close to happening in Guardians games, people will come to me and be like, all right, is Sarah watching? And I'm like. Well, she's watching, but like she would probably say, skip the cycle and just go hit another homer or go hit yes. something, go get a double. So, like, she's not about the cycles. And they're like, she's not about the cycles. And like, there's things that she's not about. And I'm like, this is the one hill she's going to die on. And this is it. And it is so fun to hit that button to hear you say anything that it's just like, why are we doing this? It is my favorite. I'm so happy we all got to just indulge there and just enjoy a Sarah rant because they don't happen. It was fantastic. And you make sense. And that's the point. It's makes sense. Why would you want to just stop at a single when you could do something even more impressive just because it has a label, the cycle. So, I mean, I'm eyeballing this, but okay. In general, you had four heads. Your team is probably going to win the game. I didn't run it in terms of wins and losses, but looking since um, since 1983, 23 guys have done what Gunner did, homer, triple, and two doubles, and only three of them, their team lost the game. Now in cycles, usually your team wins as well, but I'm going to bet just by eyeballing it, that the, I mean, here we go, since 2019, one, four guys have hit for a cycle in the loss. So it's just not as, yeah, you're not stealing the win because you're only hitting a single. So anyway, I can go on that. It makes sense. It 100% makes sense. And it's justified, and it, it but it's just so perfect, and it's so <laughs> fun for me because... It's the only thing, it's the only thing that I've found that will get you to just start arguing or fighting. And it's just, it's the best. Anyway, I digress. Let's get into back into positivity. Sarah land. Let's get back into Sarah land. We'll take a quick break and we'll talk about all the greatness and the happiness and everything that's great with baseball. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
Welcome back to the Ballpark Dimensions podcast. I'm Mandy, that's Sarah, and of course, we have our wonderful producer, Alana Schreiber, who will kick us off in our favorite segment of going through our favorite moments from baseball over the last week. So, Alana, do you have yours? I do. It's another quirky historical one. So... Okay. Yeah, of course. Last time we spoke, um, I was in Birmingham, Alabama, and the next day I had the pleasure of being in Mobile, Alabama, which is, yes, you're nodding, breeding ground of legendary baseball players. So not only did I get to drive down Satchel Page Drive to the Hank Aaron Stadium, but, you know, it's also the birthplace of Ozzie Smith, of Tommy Agee. And one of the really most interesting things about Mobile is quick history backup lesson in 1860 an illegal slave ship went from mobile to modern day nigeria kidnapped slaves and brought them to mobile but the civil war ended by 1865 so they were only enslaved for about four or five years and then afterwards they came together and they bought land in mobile called it africa town in the settlement and it's the only settlement in the u.s that was bought and settled by people from africa and there they were able to kind of resume roles that they had had back in Africa and just kind of reinstate certain ways of life and speak languages and take certain positions again. And someone who was from Africatown is the one and only Cleon Jones, who was on the 1969 Mets. Um, Of course, he's on the amazing Miracle Mets. And so I'm at the Africatown Museum. And of course, I see a book by Cleon Jones. And I'm like, well, I have to read this. So I start reading it. And he also, in addition to being from there, moved back to Africatown, lives there now. So while I'm reading the book, the woman at the front desk is like, oh, do you want me to call Cleon and see if he can come say hi? And I'm like, yes, please. So she calls his wife and she picks up and I talk to his wife and she's like, oh, there's a Mets fan in town. Like, we're not available today, but next time you're in town, let us know and Cleon will be over. So... I have a tentative future appointment to go hang out with Cleon Jones at the Africatown Heritage House in Mobile, Alabama. It's incredible. And it was one of those moments where like, not only did I learn so much at that museum about this really fascinating history of this really important settlement, but of course there's a Mets connection. Like what else? And of course, when you get to the end of the museum and residents of Africatown are giving their video testimonials, there's Cleon Jones in his Mets hat. That is amazing. Only you find that connection. I understand it exists no matter who is standing there, but only you exist to bring this to us. And I also have to say, my father absolutely loves Cleon Jones. Whenever he is mentioned, whenever he comes up, when they're recounting the 69 mess, what have you my dad's always like Cleon Cleon he loves him so he will love hearing this story (laughs) this one's for your dad I've never felt like more useless on this (laughs) podcast because like I mean Alana just brings so much historic insight and lessons and all of this stuff she has all this texture and I'm like oh did you see the cute baby and it's just like (laughs) okay cool Uh, I'm so glad we have this uh, aspect so that you can actually bring a little bit more than what I'm willing to provide. Um, So thank you, Alana, for that. That was very insightful. And I feel like I know so much more now, 
And I'm excited for the update next year or next yeah. visit or whenever it might be of this interaction because that's going that I'm we're going to need a follow up. Oh, for sure. Well, thank you guys. I always have so much fun sharing these weird little things, but it's only since I've started being your producer that um, that anyone is interested in my fun little <laughs> moments. <laughs> We're always interested. Yeah. And, um, okay, I guess we're going to probably go full circle now. So go ahead, Sarah. Are you going to bring us back up to the top of everything we've already dived into? Because I know I'm going to. Yeah, I will be at the bridge, too. Oh, my gosh, adorable moment. Thank you. So, uh, last night on the broadcast, absolutely classic. Um, one of my favorite parts, you alluded to it earlier, was that uh, Andy Jacobson, the producer and the entire production crew, had this new idea this year where we little leaguers asked the big leaguers who were mic'd up question during the broadcast. So there was this one little leaguer named Justin who was from Hills Little League in Australia. And he comes on, they say, hi, Justin, the question for you. And it was for Nick Cassianos, and I don't even remember. Maybe he asked who his favorite teammate was. I don't even remember the question, but it happened so quickly. Nick called Ravage was kind of like, okay, do you want to ask him something else? And Nick Cassiano sort of ran with it. And keep in mind, he's standing in the outfield, being such a gentleman during this. And he says, okay, so you're on Team Australia. Is that where you live? Is that where you're from? And the little guy goes, yeah, but my background is, is Korean. And Cassianos goes, oh, wow, you're a citizen of the world. And it was so sweet. And I was just thinking how this little guy will have this video clip forever of him talking to Nick Cassianos live on air. And Nick Cassianos thinking it's incredibly cool that this little kid of Korean descent lives in Australia and is in Williamsport, Pennsylvania to play baseball. And it was just this amazing, amazing moment. I loved all of the back and forth with the players and the kids, but this moment was my favorite. I was afraid to like dive into that like in the first segment because I was bringing it up. And I'm like, I know Sarah's going to use this, so I'll just sort of like touch on it, but I'm not going to force Thank her to you. say it now because I knew that's where I was going to go. I only knew it because I saw it from your tweet and I saw that interaction. I wasn't able to see the game at that point. I started watching later in the game and I saw your tweet and I was like, oh my gosh, I, the one wholesome and two this is this is Sarah's moment and I know it's going to be Sarah's moment um but it's it truly is so stinking cool all of this and what a sweet response how do you think of that on the spot and like I know that interaction like you said they have it on camera they can download videos they can do all of this stuff save that forever I don't even know if the kid realizes in this moment how awesome it was but no like, way. to see it over and over again for the rest of his life is going to be 
so stinking cool. So yes, I that was up there for me, but I figured it was going to be taken, which rightfully so. I'm going into the Little League Classic as well because it just gave us so many moments and it should have, but it did. And uh, the one that I want to talk about is the bats that the guys used because guys start some guys got a little bit more creative in engaging with the crowd in different ways but a handful of guys had very custom bats bryson stott was by far i think my favorite he had a bat that looked like a number two pencil and let me tell you it was so good that when you see photos of it, it looks like someone photoshopped a fake pencil on to like in his hands. It was so incredibly done. I loved it so much. Obviously in theme with the kids and going back to school and all of those types of things. Um, it's just, if you Google it, you go on MLB.com. We had a which bat is better story of the number two pencil or a crayon because I don't even remember who had the crayon now um, uh, from the Nationals. Joey Manessas. Joey Manessas, that's who it was. He had a crayon, and I think it even had... Oh, here's the post. I'm looking at it right now. Boo Bomb. Boo Bomb. So, like, the best part of Crayola is all the ridiculous names for every color out there. Uh, For some reason, my brain goes to macaroni and cheese every single time when I was growing up, like this off-orange-yellow color um there was like that mac and cheese color um but I love the names that it always came up with and then he had blue bomb on there with this bright blue bat that had the same style of black little um thick stripes around it that showed like a Crayola crayon on there absolutely killed it but the pencil there was nothing more lifelike than that pencil the 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 detail of it the plastic metal part put thing I don't know you can't have plastic and metal in one but like that's where I'm going and leading up from pencil to eraser that holds the eraser and the eraser was perfectly pink it and then the whole way down the handle of the bat was black so it looked like it led right into the lead of the pencil unbelievable job whoever like that was just so fantastic I loved it um Bryce Harper did his uh Philly fanatic bat Um, again, it's just like the way that you're able to channel your inner child in this game. Um, we see it with the handshake line afterwards. I figured that would also be something that would be on your list because I know you love the handshake line every year. We were watching it last night. I got nervous because like I started watching it and I'm like, why the, the winning team just did theirs. And then everyone sort of went in their dugouts. I'm like, oh no, are we? we done with the handshake line? Like, come on. And then they came back out and they did it where uh, each team came out, shook hands. They all hugged each other like you do in a little league game. That stops at some point in your lifetime where you're not having that sportsmanship side anymore. And so I love that. I love that aspect. And so, yeah, I, I needed to shout out. If you haven't seen the pencil, please, please, please go look up the pencil because it is so well done. It is impressive. And yeah, that was my highlight. I love it. I mean, it's just such a great opportunity for these guys to really express themselves, even beyond the bath. Bryce Harper, his um, up in it for when he slid on the base pass, also at the Philly Fanatic. 
He was wearing neon shoes and a neon batting gloves. You really get that extra level of not just personality, but of youthfulness, and I love it so much. Oh my gosh, I'm so sad that it's over now because we don't have this hype to like talk about something again the next time we talk, but it's fine. We have now started the countdown to Yankees Tigers in Williamsport, Pennsylvania next August. It's going to be incredible, just like this one was, just like every year, absolutely always is. There's nothing else to take away from this podcast. Just know the Little League Classic is as good as it gets. I absolutely love it. So that'll do it for this week's podcast. Don't miss an episode by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you're enjoying the show or you have any suggestions for us at all, please leave us a rating and a review. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Ballpark Dimensions podcast, and we'll see you next time.